Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. It's the programme where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues alongside their equivalents in the world of business. We call them business shapers. Today we have a very special encore edition of Jazz Shapers. It's with Karen Billamoria, the founder and chairman of Cobra Beer. And he joined us last in 2014, five years ago. How many things have changed since then? We've got a lot to talk about. Karen came up with the idea for Cobra Beer as a student. He loved beer but couldn't stand bloating, harsh or bland lagers. He thought, why don't I produce a beer which I'll make in India, where he grew up? That has the refreshment of a lager and the smoothness of a nail. Turning that into a reality, of course, was never going to be easy. We were, he says, an unknown beer brand taking on the giants and with no marketing budget. Karen raised every penny from day one and despite almost losing the business when the financial crisis hit in 2008, Cobra now exports to more than 40 countries from the UK. Karen has also been a member of the House of Lords, an independent cross-bench peer since 2006. And he started an independent charity, the Cobra Foundation, providing health, education and community support for young people in South Asia, especially through safe water provision. We'll talk to Karen in a few minutes about all of this, about launching a new brand identity for Cobra, the first full rebrand in 15 years, and much more. As promised, we have brilliant music too, from, amongst others, Eddie Harris, Jamie Cullum, and Aretha Franklin. That, ladies and gentlemen, is today's Jazz Shapers. Here's Marvin Gaye with Inner City Blues. That was Marvin Gaye with Inner City Blues. I'm really pleased to say, as I said earlier, my business shape today for the second time in five years, second time in a decade, is Lord Karen Billamoria, the founder of Cobra Beer and many other things as well. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hello, you look just the same. <laughs> Good to see you, Eddie. Tell me, five years ago, the world was pretty different. Talk to me about Cobra. Let's start there. How's the business doing? Because you'd had a tough patch many years before we met. And since then, has the business grown? How has it grown? What kinds of things have been going on? With Cobra, having nearly lost the business three times in its history, the last being 10 years ago uh, during the financial crisis, uh, we've had a period now where the brand has been in a joint venture with Molson Coors, one of the largest brewers in the world, headquartered in Denver in the United States. And uh, it's been a very good partnership to the extent that we've just extended our joint venture. Uh, we're so happy with the way that it's going. We trust each other implicitly. And I've been the chairman of the joint venture and will continue to be the chairman. And the combination of the entrepreneurial spirit of my team combined with the giant power and synergies of Molson Coors has been very effective. I'm passionate about the brand. It's my baby. Mm. And we are going from strength to strength. So we have been innovating. We've just launched a new design for Cobra. We've uh, upgraded the design across the range. And we're very pleased with that. And that is now on the supermarket shelves. Even the draft font has been redesigned. And these things take a lot of time and effort. And, um, and we're very proud of what we've come up with. And we brought two new products, which are terrific. Uh, one is 
uh, I've noticed with this craft beer boom that the most popular craft beer within most of these new craft breweries is their India Pale Ale, their IPA. And I thought, who better to bring out an IPA than Cobra? After all, IPA was produced by Britain to send to India for the British troops in India. Well, let's have an IPA made by an Indian beer. And the challenge was this, that most IPAs are far too bitter and they're very difficult to drink on their own, although they might have a nice aromatic aroma uh, and initially a nice taste, they're difficult to drink and they're impossible to drink with food because they're overpoweringly bitter. So I said, how can I create an IPA that is as drinkable and smooth and delicious as Cobra beer? And it took us a long time. It took us over two years to get the recipe right, over a year of test marketing, and we now have it on the market, Malabar Blonde IPA, named after the Malabar coast on the Arabian Sea in South India, the exotic beaches and palm trees. And we have a, a beer that is an IPA, top-fermenting yeast, made in a traditional craft brewery in northwest England. And we are so proud of it because we've produced the most drinkable IP in the world and the only IP in the world that goes with all food. You should do the commercials. I mean, literally, <laughs> I feel thirsty. You've just been talking about, I think I want to go to the exotic Malabar coast. You talked about the beer moth of, of Molson. You talk about the entrepreneurial spirit of Cobra. It's hard, isn't it, for big and small to often work together well? What's the secret of the success of the joint businesses now working so smoothly? The combination of the structure, the infrastructure, the financial power, the distribution power, the manufacturing power of Molson Coors combined with the entrepreneurial spirit of Cobra, that's the power. And if you can innovate in the way that we've just done with Malabar that I've explained to you, if you can innovate with our other new product, which is called King Cobra, made in Belgium at one of the most special breweries in the world called Rodenbach. There's a 200-year-old brewery and it's made like champagne. So we initially brew it like Cobra. And then we double ferment it in a champagne bottle with an ale yeast. So it's the only beer in the world to our knowledge where it's a Pilsner beer that's double fermented with an ale yeast in the bottle when it's put into a warm room, 24 degrees centigrade for two and a half weeks for the refermentation. And after that, it's unpasteurized with a one and a half year shelf life with the most amazing texture and aroma. And it's made like champagne. Mm. And that product has just come onto the market. And we're so excited about it because when we talk about craft beer, this is the ultimate craft beer made in Belgium, to me, the home of some of the best beer in the world. And your role as the chair, and obviously we're going to come on to other roles that you play, whether it's the vice presidency, moving towards presidency for the CBI, uh, which will happen from next June, but you've already been in place since this June on the vice presidency piece, whether it's your role in the House of Lords. How do you look after this baby that you almost lost three times? And, and what's the, as well as the emotional connection, what's the practical side of ensuring that you play an active chairman role? It really helps that, as the chairman, I'm also the founder entrepreneur. This is something that I started from scratch with nothing, just two of us, my business partner, Arjun Reddy and I, also from Hyderabad in India, with 20,000 pounds of debt to pay off, no money, no experience in the industry, not knowing anything about brewing beer, only knowing about drinking beer and loving beer, <laughs> being passionate about beer and hating all those fizzy lagers and and realizing that the ales that I loved just did not go well with food because the ale was too heavy and too bitter. And coming up with this product, Cobra, which is the refreshment of a lager and the smoothest of an ale combined, our slogan today is brewed smooth for all food. And that is Cobra. It accompanies all food. We started with Indian food. That's our base. Curry and Indian food will always be our base. And the support of the restaurants, we would not be here without their support. In fact, we're just launching a new initiative in September 2019, 
called the Cobra Collective, where we've got senior members of the industry, celebrated chefs, Michelin-starred chefs across different cuisines, championing the restaurant industry, mentoring young chefs, putting back into the industry. So it's by the industry, for the industry. The restaurant industry is our base. And now Cobra is available in Turkish restaurants, Lebanese restaurants, Chinese, Thai, gastropubs, casual dining, supermarkets. And But the foundation will always be this drinkability, this extra smooth taste that enables it to go with all food. And having that platform that you passionately believe about that sets you apart from other beers, and that hasn't changed from day one. And when you've got somebody who is focused on that and within a large, multi-billion dollar, 20,000 employee global company, I think that's what makes a difference, is that passion and belief. The bigger business roles that you play, and specifically now the CBI, and I know historically the London Chamber of Commerce, you've always had a public service mentality to me, looking from the outside. Although you're an entrepreneur, you believe in giving back. Firstly, where did that giving back notion come from? And secondly, what's it going to look like for the CBI? So with Cobra, from day one, I realized that it's, it's not just about building a, a brand, having this mission of wanting to brew the finest ever Indian beer and making a global beer brand. But very soon I was able to put back by providing beer for charitable causes, for fundraising events. And that became part of our ethos. And we have donated millions of pounds of beer over the years to most of the major charities in this country. In fact, in the last five years, a new project that we've come up with is we partnered with Baloo Water, one of the most well-known waters now. In fact, in Parliament, the water that you get is Baloo Water. And it's joint branded with the Cobra Foundation, our charity. And we give 100% of the profits that we make from that water, 100% to WaterAid for sanitation and clean water, saving lives in South Asia. That's wonderful. And we've already clocked over £100,000 donated to WaterAid from that one project alone. So there's a lot business can do mm. uh, to put back into their community beyond what business is great in that it creates the jobs, makes the profit, pay the taxes, that pay for the public services. We should never take that for granted. But business can go even further by putting back into the community in their own way. In, and I've illustrated the way in which Cobra has been doing that over the years. But your belief in doing that predated the fashionable corporate social responsibility, Monica. Why is that? Why do you think you care and are interested in the wider community? One could say that it goes back to my origins. It goes back to my origins as a Zoroastrian Parsi. I come from one of the smallest communities in the world. There are less than 100,000 of us left. And we emigrated to India over a thousand years ago, settled in India, and have done extremely well in India and around the world. So I I always say, that I don't mean this in a boastful way, I mean in a, in a way that I'm proud, that per capita of achievement, uh, the Parsis are the most successful in the world by far. But the most important thing is Mahatma Gandhi said about the Parsis. He said, in numbers beneath contempt, in contribution beyond compare. And I think that's part of being brought up in the Parsi community is you're brought up to always, A, try and do the right thing because the tenets of religion are good thoughts, good words, good deeds. But it's also about putting back not just into the little Parsi community, but into the wider community as well. And you've got example after example of that. The Tatas, that's a Parsi family, the Tatas, the Parsi company. And they're renowned for the charitable work that they do. The holding company is a charitable trust mm. that donates millions of pounds a year, every year. And so therefore the role that you've now taken on 
with the CBI, amongst many other roles and many other boards and vice-chancellorships here and there, universities and so on, is just an extension really of that. Yes, I do believe that if you are given the opportunity of putting back into the community, and I think it's difficult when you're an entrepreneur and you start off from scratch. The first eight years I remember of starting Cobra, there was no question of doing anything else. You're just trying to survive. You're just trying to get this plane to take off. You're trying to get your business to, to go places. And once your business is taken off, once you've been able to build a team, once you've been able to delegate, then you can start to go beyond your business. And I started getting involved in public life almost 20 years ago when I was asked by the Labour government at that time when Tony Blair was Prime Minister to join what, is, uh, what was the National Employment Panel and Welfare to Work reform, which was fantastic. And then one thing leads to another. And then the House of Lords, which I've now been a member for 13 years, and now very privileged to have been appointed Vice President of the CBI. Stay with me for much more from my business shape today. It's an encore special, Lord Karen Billamoria. He's coming up again in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear from our programme partners, Mish Gondorea, with some advice for your business. I'm Daniel Farrandyme, an associate in the planning group at Mish Gondorea, part of the wider real estate department. You may find as a, uh, as a business or as a small business or if your business grows that um, you're having problems finding accommodation. This may be partly in due to the fact that permission has been given nationwide, with a few minor exceptions, uh, to allow officers to be converted to residential. An awful lot of office stock, therefore, is being converted to much more valuable uses for owners. That causes big problems for those who want to occupy small units, because those are the ones that are clear targets for the exercise of this right. There is some hope on the horizon, however. Uh, we've been engaged with a few clients uh, on large mixed-use development schemes who have either offered or have been asked to provide starter units for commercial occupiers, um, be they tech startup industries or, or just small office or retail units. This is almost the equivalent of affordable housing for the residential sphere, where uh, in granting permission for housing development, a local authority might insist that some of those are made available to uh, those who can't afford to occupy it on the open market. A similar sort of concept of affordable commercial units is gaining more ground and is worth investigating. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this programme again. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes, you can enjoy the full archive as well. But back to our special encore edition of Jazz Shapers here, where we're welcoming back a former guest to share their adventures and achievements, it says here, and quite right too. Um, and we were speaking five years ago to Lord Karen Billamore, founder and chairman of Cobra Beer, and now we are speaking again. And much has changed in the economic and political sense, but also a little bit for you as well. And I mentioned the CBI, the, the role that you've taken on. Just tell me about the two or three things that will be on your agenda as you move from vice president to president. And what role, what purpose does the CBI play in today's environment? I've been lucky to have interacted with the CBI over the years, including when I founded uh, the UK-India Business Council. I'm the founding chair of the UK-India Business Council, putting together the UK and India increasing trade, business, and investment between the two countries. And I've always known the CBI, interacted with them, and then have been fortunate to be asked and appointed now as the vice president to be president next year. 
And the CBI is a wonderful organization. It is by far the most important voice for business in the UK, both within the UK and around the world. It's respected, it's listened to by government, and it speaks for 190,000 businesses. And the perception of the CBI is that it represents big business. And yes, it does. The vast majority of the large FTSE 100 companies are members. However, people do not appreciate enough that the CBI represents all business, including SMEs. And as somebody who started a business from nothing with just two people, not an SME, it's a micro-business, and then an S, and then an M, and now partnering with one of the largest brewers in the world, I've been through all the stages. And I've also been through the stages of building a business from scratch and all the ups and downs that involves the challenges, nearly losing my business. So, um, I'm an, And I've also been on the board of PLCs, FTSE 250 companies. I was Senior Independent Director of Booker that was sold to Tesco mm. recently, almost FTSE 100 and now part of Tesco. So I'm fortunate to now have seen the different spectrum of businesses in my own business career and now to bring that to bear in the CBI. And I think that I will try and champion the whole of British business, champion the good that business does, and for people to realize, unfortunately, that business doesn't always have a good impression. Mm. And I'd like people to see business in a better light, see the good that business does beyond the profits and the jobs that business creates, but also putting back in the community. Champion SMEs, and also to encourage more collaboration between universities and business. I've been proud to have been Chancellor of the University of Birmingham for five years. I'm also the Chair of the Advisory Board of the Cambridge Charter Business School, so I've been very involved in higher education. I'm passionate about education, higher education. I think British universities are the best in the world, along with the United States of America. And we do collaborate with industry, but we could do so much more, and I think the CBI can play a major role in doing that. In fact, many of our, our leading universities are members of the CBI. And that, of course, leads to then how can we power ahead and increase the productivity in our country. And the productivity of our top 10% of our companies in the UK is well-beating, world-class. But on the whole, our productivity has been lagging. And I think one of the key drivers to increase our productivity is to focus on innovation, is to focus on creativity, is to invest in R&D and innovation. At the moment, we invest 1.7% of GDP in R&D and innovation compared with Germany and America that invest 2.8%, let alone somewhere like Israel, which is a powerhouse of innovation, who invest over 4% of GDP. So if we just invested that 1% extra of GDP per year in R&D and innovation, that's an extra 20 billion pounds a year. Mm let alone catching up with the underinvestment over the past years, we will power ahead. And we're a greatly innovative country, a greatly creative country. We've been the forefront of innovation over the decades and centuries. That is one of the advantages of Britain, is this power that it has of its people of innovation and creativity. You've just mapped out brilliantly the blueprint, as it were, which combines universities, combines education, looks at productivity, the small, the medium, and then the uh, you know the larger enterprise. Because on the face of it, when you were appointed, people were saying, well, this is a guy who's run a small business. And of course, it's not true. You've done many, many other things. In this volatile environment we now find ourselves, what are the specific things we might do to mitigate the risks that inevitably will come with Brexit, however and whenever it happens, in whatever form? There's a saying that I have followed in my business journey, and success is not a destination, it is a journey. And it's a challenging journey. It's an up and down journey with obstacles in the way. And it is to adapt or die. And I think that the more resilient you can be, 
the more adaptable you can be as a business or as an organization, then you can face challenges. The stronger the brand that you have, the three things that have got me through my crises in the past, one is having a strong brand. The Cobra Beer brand has been very resilient through our, our tough times. Having a strong team and support for your family and team. I've got a wonderful team at Cobra. My wife, Heather, my South African wife, who I met one year after I I started Cobra, has been by my side through this whole journey. Without her support, I wouldn't be here talking to you. And then doing it with the right values, doing it with integrity, and always following the principle that it's better to fail doing the right thing than to succeed doing the wrong thing. So you fly, apply those principles to a country like Britain. What a brand the United Kingdom is. It's Great Britain. This is not let's make Britain great again. Britain is already great. Let's make Britain greater. Despite all the challenges, 1% of the world's population, we are still the fifth or sixth largest economy in the world. And that's staggering considering we don't have natural resources. We're tiny as a country, diminishing North Sea oil and gas. It's down to the power of our people. And it's down to the power of our institutions, institutions that have been built up over centuries that give us the best accountants, the best lawyers, the best creative industries, the best universities, manufacturing excellence, museums, art, music, classical music, jazz, rock, pop, you name it, we're the best. And that is so powerful. It gives us huge resilience as a country to cope with the ups and downs. And I don't think we should ever forget that or take it for granted. I want to play you a small clip from the interview we did five years ago. I want to talk about the future a little bit, and I think I know what you're going to say, but for the benefit of the listeners, this is um, what Karen said in 2014 about the opportunity that Britain had given him personally. This country has given me the opportunity over the last three decades from coming here as a, as a 19-year-old student. And at that time, Britain was a sick man of Europe. At that time, this country had a glass ceiling for somebody who was a foreigner where you wouldn't get to the top because you were a foreigner. At that time, entrepreneurship had images of Del Boy and second-hand car salesmen it was looked down upon. And how this country has now changed a country, I believe, with opportunity for all, regardless of race, religion, or background. I believe this is a country of aspiration, and this is a country now where entrepreneurship is celebrated. So, wow. So here we are, five years later. Same prognosis? Absolutely. Just look at, look at Britain. Look at the government today. The Chancellor of the Exchequer is a nation, a bus driver's son, a good friend of mine, Sajid Javid, with great business background, perfect person to be Chancellor. The Home Secretary, Preeti Patel, is of Indian origin, a British Asian, two of the great officers of state. So it's only a step away that we're going to have an Asian as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. And I've always said, I will see that in my lifetime, and it's going to happen. So that glass ceiling has gone, it's shattered. And this country is wonderful in being an aspirational country and allowing opportunity for all regardless of race, religion or background. However, my worry has been over the past three years. When I did this interview five years ago, I had never faced any discrimination in this country as a student, as somebody building up my business, never. But when, sadly, during the Brexit referendum and afterwards, I have faced awful, awful hate, emails, messages, tweets, Handwritten letters, people telling me to go back to where I've come from. Nasty things, which I'd never experienced before. And we were almost going backwards. And that really, really not only hurt me and shocked me, but worried me that this country had progressed so much from the time I'd come here as a young 19-year-old student from India to then having this British dream that I was living, this aspirational dream, and then facing this discrimination I'd never faced 
in all these years. Fortunately, it has died down and I think we are back on track. But I'm worried with the environment that's been created. I'm worried with protectionist barriers that are going up around the world. Those are backward steps in my view. I think that the globalization that has taken place over the years on the whole has benefited the global economy and global citizens. And I'm worried that the more protectionism there is, then we mustn't lose the progress that we've made over these decades that this, this country has been a shining example of. You talked about adapt or die, and obviously these are structural impediments that could become realities. Tariffs could happen. We don't, we don't know, but there's going to, as you said, borders, barriers will go up. You're an entrepreneur. You're creative. You're optimistic. There are many thousands, if not more, people who will think, you know what, we can do this. How will someone like you and your business, because your business could, could be directly in, impacted for sure. If there's immigration caps, there could be issues with talent. There's all sorts of practical things. But I say to you, it feels like you'll get round those, you'll get through them. Am I right? You have to. There, there is no choice but to get through them. However, when alarm bells ring, I think it's always better to try and prevent something from happening rather than having to go backwards or go through unnecessary disruption and pain that you need not go through. And I think the alarm bells are there. I could give you example after example at Harvard Business School, which I've attended through executive education for many, many years now, straight after Brexit and the Trump election. So in January 2017, I'll never forget one of the most famous uh, respected economists at Harvard Business School showing us the charts of the rise and fall of globalization after the First World War, Second World War. And we've peaked in global history the level of globalization we have today in the world beyond what existed before the First World War, the height of the empires. We've gone beyond that. And today, that going into protectionism is a worry. And I think we need to be aware of that. We must lose all the good that has happened and the millions of people that have been lifted out of poverty around the world. We mustn't stop that journey. Stay with me for my final chat with Karen Billamoy. I'll possibly be playing a track from Aretha Franklin, and that's all coming up in just a moment. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. was Aretha Franklin with Daydreaming. Karen Billamore is my business shaper here on this Encore special just for a few more minutes. If anyone has been listening earlier, and I hope you have been, you'll be struck by just how many things you are involved in, Karen. I mean, extraordinary things. And yet, it's anchored in a very clear philosophy about life. And I wrote down the good thoughts, good... Good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Good, good thoughts, good words, good deeds. If that's your mantra, is that what keeps you sane? Because... If you look at course, you look at the CBI, you look at the House of Lords, you look at the, the different um, roles you play with universities, you're a busy guy. You don't look like you're a busy guy. And you never do when I meet you. And I've met you a few times over the years and you always seem calm. Is this just because you're a swan and it's all going furiously underneath? Or is there some other level of, uh, uh, do I need to be taught by the guru here? Is there something going on that you've got that enables you to be so centred and, and so apparently calm? Well, my wife always says... Never ever complain that you're too busy because it's always your choice. And if one is fortunate to have that choice, 
I believe that I do these things, one, because I'm lucky to be given the opportunity to do them, and also because I genuinely love them and I'm passionate about them. To be Chancellor of one of the biggest universities in Britain, Russell Group University, the University of Birmingham, one of the top universities in the world, top 100 universities in the world, is a real privilege. To head the Cambridge Charge Business School, to be chair of the advisory board, one of the top business schools in the world, one of the finest universities in the world, what a privilege. And to be in the House of Lords, 13 years that I've been there, I love every minute of it. Yes, a lot of it's been challenging over the last three years. Sometimes it's been very unpleasant, but it's a privilege. And to be able to participate there, to try and make a difference, it's been wonderful. To build your own business from scratch, to partner with a big global company, wow. And there's so much to go for in the future. I mean, we haven't even started. <laughs> We've got so much more to do. Well, let me put, <laughs> put this to you. Five years from now, 2024, what will be the big three things that you will have achieved? And I don't mean that in a trite achievement way for you. I mean for the, the different areas that you're trying to impact. What does success look like five years hence? That's a great question because one is always looking ahead. And of course, where the business is concerned, I'd like Cobra to continue to, to grow the new products that we brought online to be a real success. Even more new products that I've already got down the line to come online and our global reach to increase um, at the moment, we're manufacturing in Belgium, here in the UK, and we've got three breweries in India with Molson Coors. want that and exports to 40 countries to grow. And then what I'd like is for our political situation with the terrible time that Britain's gone through with Brexit over the last three years. We were the fastest growing economy in the Western world before Brexit in the spring of 2016. To five years from now, for something like Brexit to have been something in the past and for Britain to be back on track of being a really successful economy that the whole world looks up to. And at the moment, I'm sorry to say, a lot of people around the world are saying, what is this great country doing to itself? Why are you doing this? You don't need to do this. And I hope that it will be behind us. And I, and I, and I hope that I, by then I would have finished my year as vice president of CBI, two years as president of CBI, another year as the past president and vice president, and hope to have made a difference in that role and contributed and participated as best I've, I've been able to do. And I will then also finish my second tenure as Chancellor of the University of Birmingham. So who knows what next? <laughs> you <laughs> and, can put your feet up, maybe for two minutes. No, 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 Never. putting feet up. No. <laughs> and, and also what I want is the relationship between the UK and India to really power ahead. It could be much more than it is today. And I think in five years' time, we should be in a special relationship like we have the United States. I've always said there's another special relationship with a country like India. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your words of um, hope and inspiration. It's been brilliant talking to you again. And 2024, it's a date. If we're still going and you're still going, <laughs> you're, you can come back. Just before I let you go, what is your song choice? We don't normally do this for the Encore Special, but it's you, so we're going to. What would you like to hear? I thought about something relevant. And it's so wonderful, the word serendipity. Uh, defined by Mark Durand, a professor at the Cambridge Arch Business School, uh, he defines serendipity as seeing what everyone else sees, but thinking what no one else has thought. Mm. And the serendipity is, I've just recently been at a meeting in Parliament hosting the Chief Minister of the state of Tamil Nadu in South India, a state that has a population of 70 million, more than the population of the United Kingdom. And there we were, and I thought, hang on, Engelbert Humperdinck. He was born in Madras, what is today Chennai, in Tamil Nadu, an Anglo-Indian, uh, an Indian, and my father, uh, my late father, General Bellamoria, who was a great lover of jazz and 
the jazz that I'd been brought up with from childhood was thanks to my father. And one of the songs that he loved was Quando Quando. And so I said, why can't we have Engelbert Humperdinck singing Quando Quando? And of course, Quando Quando is when. When are we going to now get on with Britain being back to what it was before and putting everything behind us and on that Great Britain path again? Tell me when will you be mine Tell me quando, quando, quando That was Engelbert Humpeldink with Quando, Quando, Quando. There are three in there. Uh, the famous Bossa Nova classic. And the song choice of my brilliant business shaper today on this encore special, Karen Billamoria. He talked about so many things replete with wisdom. I'm just going to give you a couple. Success is not a destination, it's a journey. Adapt or die. And this one I love. Good thoughts, good words, good deeds. Because fundamentally, he's on a mission to make sure that business is seen in a more positive light for all the great things it can do for the wider community. That's it from Jazz Shapers and me. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.